So hello everyone, a warm welcome to everybody. So you can uh, see on the, the chat, uh, I have put a little bit the, the topic of uh, this session, this morning session. So Stephen has already mentioned it yesterday uh, in his own way. He talked about Vedana and uh, it was funny because, you know, at time to time he talked about neither. You know, you have the pleasant feeling tone and you have the unpleasant feeling tone and then uh, you have neither. And he kind of really is not into neither. He think he doesn't exist. So we have a little kind of discussion about that. But we'll see about that later. You can't see the topic in the chat, Delia. Uh, emptiness, nothing in the chat. Oh, strange. Uh, strange. I mean, the website chat, the website chat. You know, like you have, if you're on your screen, you have chat, you have a little chat button. And if you go to it, uh, where you say hello to everybody and thing of that nature. Ah, I see. So seemingly you only see after you've been coming in. Okay, I'll put something again. So today I am talking about Vedana. And I want also be careful whenever, when we do the discussion, it often changes to Vedanta. Vedanta and Vedana are not the same thing. So I'm going to talk about feeling tones. And also, I want to look at listening meditation. So, are you seeing this in the chat now? Anyway, I'm going to talk to, about it, so never mind. I thought, I thought it was going to be helpful. And actually, on the contrary, it's uh, getting a little uh, kind of strange. So, don't worry about it. So... Uh, Today, what I want to look at is Vedana. So Stephen briefly mentioned it yesterday. And so it's written V-E-D-A-N-A. And so Vedana is uh, generally kind of seen in different ways. Uh, and it's very important concept idea in uh, Buddhist meditation. And so what it means, so Vedana refers to what you could call feeling tones. But actually it doesn't refer to emotion. It actually refers to just the tonality we experience about contact through the senses. And so this is, for example, you have a mindfulness of feeling tone in the four foundation of mindfulness in the Satipatthana Sutta. It's the second one. You have another text where the Buddha said there are 108 Vedanas, but I'm not going to do 108 this morning, uh, just the three basic ones. Also, Vedana is very important in terms of the conditionality because you have contact, feeling tone and generally grasping. But we look at this 
tomorrow, the grasping aspect more. And then you also have Vedana, feeling tone, in terms of the five mental factors with the body and the environment, which is called Nama Rupa. So often it's referring to the five Nama factor, N-A-M-A. And again, there you have contact, feeling tone, perception, intention, and attention. And so this morning, what I really want to look at, it's very much about the, the contact, the tonality, and the perception. But first, because not everybody might be familiar with the idea of Vedana, and why do I think it's important? I think it's important in terms of secular dharma because of kind of secular dharma, secular practice, which is really practice for this time. And actually to really see what stops us. To me, what is interesting to me is what stops us from wisdom, what stops us from compassion, what stops us from kind of uh, being harmful from being harmless. No, what stops us from being harmless? And so most of the time we are harmless, we try to be compassionate, we try to be wise, and then we are not. Time to time we are not. And so the question is, what goes on there? And so when I, uh, what I really saw over time is that, of course, when we practice the focusing, the questioning, we can really experience quietness and clarity. We really can experience meditative state and we can feel, experience ourselves differently. But outside of that, we still seem to be stuck. And in a way, repeating a little the same pattern, harming ourselves, harming others. And why is that? And personally, I think one of the important components of our habits, of our reactivity, is actually tonality. How are we with tonality? Do we creatively engage? Are we really aware of tonality, of that aspect of our experience? Can we creatively engage with tonality or do we react automatically to tonality? And the Buddha thought, I mean, in one text, he said we have underlying tendency, like we have this very fast automatic reaction to Vedana. And I think that's what it's important to really kind of, in a way, look at it in depth. But first, I need to define it a little bit. Because, okay, Vedana doesn't refer to complex emotion, doesn't refer to anger or happiness or things of that nature. At the same time, uh, sometimes it can just be translated as feeling, or it can be, in the Goenka tradition, it's translated as sensation. So actually, Vedana has many aspects. It can be in one text, like in the 108 Vedana, the Buddha said it can be mental, it can be physical. So the Vedana comes under a very kind of wide aspect of our experience. But really what we are looking at is contact through the senses, 
and how immediately we feel something. And that's what is strange. Like, I will just take one thing, which is color. So, you see a color, and I presume, I really presume that generally, a color, green, white, beige, black, red, I presume a color has not done anything to you. I presume green has not attacked you. Red has not been underhanded in any way. But you see a color and you generally, immediately, there is a little, hmm, I like it. Hmm, I don't like it. Or I don't care. So in a way, the, in terms of Vedana, the first thing that the Buddha points out is the three types the thing that Stephen referred to yesterday when he talked about, you know, the spectrum from ecstasy to agony. And in a way, mindfulness of tonality can be interesting because it shows that there is a whole spectrum of pleasant, you could say, zero to plus 10, unpleasant, zero to minus 10, and then in the middle, you have this tricky category, the neither. Neither pleasant nor unpleasant. But in terms of the spectrum, what is interesting is that we are going to react very differently to minus one unpleasant to plus one unpleasant. To plus one pleasant. Minus one unpleasant, we see immediately. Ah, it's unpleasant. Plus one pleasant, we don't notice it. And generally pleasant has to be plus five because before we think, oh yeah, oh, I feel well. This is wonderful. This is great. So in a way, mindfulness of tonality is going to help us to see the wider spectrum to see that actually within the pleasant, you have a greater range than you thought. That happiness does not start just at plus five. But actually, you can have a lot of pleasant between zero to plus five. Also that unpleasantness cannot be reduced to just one band. That actually minus one is different to minus five to minus 10. But we can quickly experience minus one and because of the amplifying effect, we could quickly experience it as minus 10. This is always like this, it will always be like that. So that's what in a way the mindfulness of feeling tone is going to help us to see the wider spectrum. Another thing that we have to see is that contact, so you have contact through the senses. So at any given moment, you could have six different tonality. You could hear something pleasant, you could feel something, unpleasant sensation, and then uh, what you see could be relatively neither. 
And then sometimes one might predominate. Suddenly you have a really pleasant feeling tone and everything becomes pleasant. Like when, you know, you get a good news and then everything is fantastic. Or you have an unpleasant feeling tone which dominates everything. And then you really feel, wow, in a really uh, down mood. And then somebody comes and says, you know, it's beautiful outside, come and walk. And you say, nah, everything is terrible. So sometimes it's all kind of many different ones. And sometimes one might predominate. But then one thing which is useful, and it was kind of a little mentioned in a way yesterday when we talked about teenagers. Because when we talked about teenagers, we were talking also about perception. And somebody at the end has this very interesting point about perception. Is that actually you have the contact, then you have the tonality, but the tonality is not generally inside the object. Like, let's say, So we might think, hmm, nice bear. So the pleasantness is inside the bear. Possibly not. Because in a way, it depends on how I strike it. So the bell itself, you could think, oh, nice bell, I'm going to have a nice sound. This is something often which happened when I used to, now it's very different, but when I used to go to different center, and then you would be given a bell, and I, had, and I never knew before I struck, struck it, is it going to be like a pleasant mm, sound, and everybody, ah, oh, I like this. So is it going to be like a teeny sound, or is there going to be no sound? And so in a way, often we think, oh, the pleasantness is in the object itself or the unpleasantness is stuck in the object itself. I mean, it's even worse when we think the pleasantness is in the person. And so a person is always pleasant or a person is always unpleasant. I mean, generally not. So in a way, what we're trying to see with uh, being mindful of Vedana, of feeling tone, is that it really helps us to see perception and it really helps us to see conditionality. That us, in a way, liking certain color, disliking other color, is just to past experience a lot of the time. Uh, what we like to eat can be cultural, can be, again, past experience. And so, in a way, we have a tendency to think, oh, it's stuck inside this. But it's not stuck inside this. It's how we perceive it. I mean, I had a friend who was a monk long ago in Thailand, and there you beg and you accept everything in your bowl and you just have to eat it. And so he used to get this really nice crunchy nugget and that they give, gave him a pleasant feeling tone until he asked what they were and they were fried ants. And then suddenly it became unpleasant and he did not go through that road anymore. And that nice lady could not give him that anymore. So in a way, you have the same thing. And according to the perception of it, it was going to be pleasant or it's going to be unpleasant. So in a way, that's why we kind of, through the mindfulness of feeling tone, we're trying to become more aware of.
is actually to see more, have a contact. Like one minute you're fine. And then you hear something and it's like, ah. It gives you a tonality sometimes which can be very strong. You're like, wait a minute. You know, so one minute to the next. So contact is very important. Then the perception we have of it, kind of how we perceive it, how we see it. I mean, also do we perceive it correctly or incorrectly? I mean, there is a famous story of if you are in a dark room and you see uh, something which looks like a snake and you're afraid, you put the light on and it's just rope. And so you kind of, according to it being clear, you'll have a certain, place, a certain feeling tone. If it's unclear, you will have another feeling tone. So in a way, it's kind of like trying to make us see this more clearly. That this is really, in a way, we're not, but it's very important to see with mindfulness or feeling tone, we're not trying to make all the tonality neutral. Personally, I'm a keen, uh, I'm very interested in neither, uh, because I think it's a kind of interesting concept, as in a way with pleasant and unpleasant, we go up, we go down, but I think neither is a little kind of like homeostatic, it's like kind of allow us to rest. And also, I think it's an interesting idea when we think like if you have an unpleasant tonality for whatever reason, and then if you think, oh, from this minus one or two, I have to go back to plus five, this is going to be quite hard. But if you think, oh, I just have to go back to neither, to neutral, and then it's kind of more like kind of the middle ground, it's more like the basis, the restfulness. And so at least, you know, when you are in the neither, at least you are not in the unpleasant. That's what I would kind of suggest time to time to consider. So in a way, looking at perception, looking at conditionality too. Like at the moment it's summer and uh, yesterday it was very hot. And so generally in summer, I see ice cream and I get a pleasant feeling too. But then... In winter, I get cold very easily. And whenever I am in England, I see people eating ice cream in the winter. And I'm like, how can they do this? Because for me, ice cream in the winter is unpleasant. So interesting, I have, you have the same thing. But according to the summer or the winter, the heat or the cold, then I'm going to have a very different feeling too. So in a way these practices really to become more mindful kind of of the tonality instead because the thing is generally as john pickup would suggest is that tonality we it's nearly like we become aware of it too late so you have the contact perception tonality then often it creates an unpleasant feeling tone and then it creates a feeling sensation, then an emotion, then often a disturbing emotion. And then by then, it's really strong and it's a little too late, one could say. When if we kind of be, the idea a little bit with the mindfulness of the feeling tone is not to be aware to the same degree all the time to all the feeling tone. That's not possible. That's not the idea. But just to notice what goes on. And how can I creatively engage with my tendencies around tonality? So we'll talk more about the tendencies, how with the 
pleasant feeling tone, we want more unpleasant feeling tone, we push it away and neither it's a little confusing. But we look more at that tomorrow. Today we kind of in a way what we want to really experience is the tonality itself, to be more aware of it. Because I totally agree, Vedana, feeling tone, it's very, most of the time, it's very subtle. And so, especially when we sit in meditation, at the beginning, it took me ages to understand what it was about, because I would sit in meditation, look for tonality, and I could not find anything. But when I realized, I was finding neither. But actually, a lot of the time, we sit in meditation, and not much is going on. Neither pleasant, nor unpleasant. And so, here, so the way they say in terms of the meditation, uh, formal meditation, so in daily life, it's more obvious. You can play around with colors. You can play around with when you go shopping, if you still go shopping, or you can watching TV or watching an artwork. You know, I mean, you see a painting and somebody says, ah, fantastic painting, and then somebody said, terrible painting. So in a way, it's kind of like, Shifting, kind of again, perception, kind of the thing in itself is not generally good or bad, pleasant or unpleasant. But also what interests me very much in terms of the mindfulness of the feeling tone is the impermanence of it. So you could say you have three levels. Level of light. You just have a very light tonality. A little pleasant, a little unpleasant. And then the question is, it came because there was a contact. But if the contact goes, does the tonality go? Or does the tonality echoes? I mean, once I had this experience when I was kind of, you know, really a fun time, then suddenly I misunderstood something, so then it became unpleasant. But there was an echoing of the pleasant, so I did not see the unpleasant. And then suddenly an hour later, I found myself saying something nasty to somebody who had not done anything. And I thought, why am I talking to this person with this tone, unpleasant tone? I thought, what? what's going on here? And then I could retrace it from the tonal pleasant tonality going, creating that, creating an unpleasant tonality, but still the little echoing of that. And then that going underneath and then being distributed somewhere else. This is one of the problems with unpleasant tonality, is that often we kind of are going to distribute it to somebody else. We like to share it very much. It's kind of interesting phenomenon. So in a way, just to be aware, oh, contact is gone. Either tonality is still here. Or if you have the same contact, so that, in a way, the contact continue, so the tonality continue, does the tonality remain the same? That's an interesting one in terms of time. This is a little, I mean, during the day, if you want to experiment, if you have the time, the opportunity, what I would suggest is that you have something which is pleasant, neither, and unpleasant. Like You could say once, once I tried it long ago, and there was a flower, there was myself in the mirror, and there was a toilet, all were within my sight. And so I would just refer first 
two seconds with it, then 10 seconds with it, then 15 seconds with it. And then just observing, does the tonality stay the same or not? And then another one which is interesting is a memory of the tonality. And then it's the newness of the tonality. And that's a very interesting one. This is what I call my mushroom experience. Kind of some years ago, I went to a restaurant, ate my favorite mushroom, and I had not eaten them in a long time. Tonality, contact, perception, tonality. Eight plus nine. Then when I go out of the restaurant, I check. Oh, still plus seven. That was good. Then I wanted to do the experiment further. I go back the next day, same plate of mushroom. And then it went down to five. Hmm, they're okay. But they're not amazing anymore. And then I go out of the restaurant and the memory had gone to plus four. So it was very interesting with tonality in terms of the change, in terms of the newness, in terms of the memory. So that's why I think it's kind of really a rich area. And so today I thought I would do it with uh, listening, but still starting with the breath, because with the breath we can experience more neither. Then looking a little bit in terms of the body, in terms of the sensation, and in terms of the chain that I find is interesting. And then going into listening meditation, because I think listening meditation is a really important meditation because you, the focus is very wide. Instead of having more precise focus, you have a wide open focus. And I love this idea of listening to the music of the world. So it's not kind of noting, describing the sound at all, but just listening to the sound for themselves. And then with the sound, generally, it's very often very clear, mm, little birdie, I like this. Sound of the car. Hmm, not so sure about that. Very interesting with sound. The tonality often is quite kind of very fast, very quick, very obvious. So that's what I wanted to play a little with today. And also personally, I would think listening meditation really help us to later cultivate meditative, creative listening, which I think is a wonderful practice in daily life. And I'll talk more about this uh, toward the end of the retreat, very likely on Friday. So that I think that doing the listening meditation, again, of course, as long as you don't have tinnitus or as long as you're not in a silent place. I would not recommend listening meditation for someone who has tinnitus and is in a silent place sitting. I would then recommend just to do body scanning or anything else which is useful. But otherwise, I think listening meditation can be useful just to kind of open. Because the sound, you cannot predict. I mean, the breath, it's always there. But sound is unpredictable. So helping us to be with uncertainty. And also with tonality, we're not trying to describe tonality. Really, that's not my idea here. Nor to note pleasant, unpleasant. No, plus one, plus five. Personally, that's not the way I use it. But the way I would use a mindfulness of the feeling tone is actually to go more inside the experience. 
And how does it feel? And it can be, of course, very subtle. So it might just be neither. So just stay with neither. How are we with neither? What we could call also neutral. That, I think, is really interesting. Because, again, uh, as they say, if you understand neither, it can become pleasant. If you don't understand neither, neutral, it can become very quickly unpleasant. So I think also the mindfulness of feeling tone and the meditation can help us to be with neither, with nothing happening, possibly in a different way. So that is not so much associated with boredom, I am boring, my life is boring, everything is boring, and then it gets really unpleasant. Personally, when nothing is happening, I think, oh, great. I can just rest right now. Nothing special to do right now. So again, kind of, I feel the mindfulness of feeling tone can help us, again, with what I call creatively engaging with tonality. So it's not saying that we stopping having pleasant or unpleasant, not at all. We still, we become more aware in a way of the range of pleasant, of the range of unpleasant. And also the pleasant is going to balance the tendency we have to see more quickly unpleasant than pleasant. So that's why it can kind of uh, increase the range of the pleasant. We're more aware of, oh yeah, I am okay now. Which will help when we have unpleasant tonality and we kind of get caught into, it's always like this. And then we can remember, no, at time, I have pleasant time. I have peaceful time. I have restful time. So then again, there can be this kind of uh, equilibrium, more balance. So that's why I wanted to say uh, this morning in terms of the instruction. And then uh, I want to do a listening meditation, but starting with the breath and a little sensation first. And is it okay if I open my window and then we might have more sound? Is that okay? Uh, hopefully, I hope it won't disturb you. If it's suddenly there is some horrible sound, I'll close it. But let's see what will come out of my window and if you will hear it, because we're not all the same in terms of the computer and in terms of if you don't hear anything, don't worry. Or you can open your own window again as long as there is not a construction site uh, next to you which could disturb you. And then if we want just to stand up, just to stretch a little... So can everybody hear me? Okay. So finding a comfortable posture.
First, bringing our attention to the breath. Maybe feeling the air coming in a little cooler and coming out a little warmer. Through the nostrils. We feel the air coming in a little cooler and coming out warmer. What's the tonality of that experience, of that contact? Now moving our attention to the sensation of contact in the body. Maybe the hands on each other on the thighs, the buttocks on the cushion, the air on the cheeks, the clothes on the body. Just being aware of that bare sensation of contact. the tonality of that contact. Now moving our attention to a specific sensation in the body. Maybe in the neck, maybe in the back. 
What's the tonality of that experience? When the sensation goes, if it goes, does the tonality goes with it? If the sensation continues, does the tonality remain the same? Now opening ourselves to the sounds of the world, to the music of life. Just listening. When we do listening meditation, We can focus on specific sounds. Generally, a sound our attention will go to because we hear it better. So we can be aware more of that sound and the other little in the background. And then that sound goes, and then our attention might go to the next sound which we seem to be hearing a little more. We can have a totally open focus, being more open to the space in which the sounds happen.
when we hear a specific sound upon that contact, what's the tonality? When the sound goes, does the tonality goes with it? If a sound continues, does the tonality remain the same? Listening to sounds being with what is unpredictable.
hearing the sound of a calm, how does perception change the tonality? I could think it's a terrible combustible engine. Or I could perceive it's somebody going to work, earning money from their family, or visiting somebody who is ill. We listen to the sound, just a sound. Hearing a sound, what's a tonality? Hearing it as a sound of a bird of a specific type, what's a tonality? Now we can continue with the listening meditation or we could turn our attention to our thoughts. 
because contact with our thought also brings tonality. So first we could look at distracting thought. I'm trying to be aware of sounds. And a thought takes me away. What the tonality of that thought? And when the thought goes, does the tonality goes with it? Every time we come back to listening, there's a tonality of a specific thought that arouse goes. What is the tonality of planning, of judging, of daydreaming?
what is the tonality of awareness itself? When we aware in a caring and careful way, what's the tonality of that experience? What is the tonality of hearing the sound of the bell? So maybe just a, a minute to stretch the leg. So now we are uh, we are our discussion session. So if you want uh, to in the chat uh, any comment, any experience, 
Any question? What is your view of John Peacock's approach to neutral Vidanal? That it doesn't exist because once you look closer, it turns either pleasant or unpleasant. Yes, uh, this is uh, John Peacock. Uh, actually, we did a conference together, a mini conference about tonality because I'm so interested in it. And so what was very interesting was to see the one, pe the people who are really like neutral Vedana does not exist because it shifts so fast. And people like me who say, well, I don't know if it exists, but to me it's an interesting concept. And Analayo, Venerable Analayo, who is a great scholar, saying it exists because it's in the text. And the Buddha refers to it. So, so that's an interesting one. So, of course, at one level, it's true that if we kind of really experience the Vedana uh, of uh, neither pleasant nor unpleasant, yes, you know, it can shift to pleasant or shift to unpleasant. But, so if there is clarity, generally shift to pleasant, no clarity, generally shift to unpleasant. But personally, I think we can think also of neither. Because that's one of the interesting things the Buddha says about neither, is that you can have the ordinary neither, which is nothing is happening, nothing is happening to me, I don't care. Or you have the neither, and it's kind of like more seen from a kind of elevated point of view, from a kind of vipassana, from insight. And then you can look at things in a more balanced way. And then you can, I would say, cultivate more the ethical uncertainty with that, from that. So personally, I would say as a concept is useful, does it exist in real life? Who knows, do tonality exist in real life? Can you measure it? A friend of mine, scientific and meditator say, you can't measure it, it doesn't exist. So personally, I don't go there, but I find it a useful idea. And personally, I mean, one of the things which I think is important is that a lot of our experience is actually about neither, not much going on. And so I personally, I think it's kind of would be useful to be aware of that, actually. But so that might take on that one. Um, so. Okay. Are the three types of Vedana, tonality, responses, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, the embryonic start of the three fires, uh, grasping, pushing away, ignore. Actually, what you're referring to is actually the underlying tendency. So the Buddha says, if you have a pleasant feeling torn, uh, the underlying tendency is to want to repeat it, is to want to have more of it. I mean, we know, one of, for me, one perfect example is that you start to eat a kind of a piece of chocolate cake and you just have one mouthful and you're already thinking of eating a second one. I mean, you're not finished this one and you're already thinking, mm, I want more. So in a way, it's kind of, as soon as it's pleasant, it's like, I want more or I want to repeat it. You have a nice weekend with friend. Let's do this again. Like, let's see, let's do this exactly. But we can meet again. We cannot guarantee the exact same tonality. So in a way, with the, with the pleasant, our underlying tendency to repeat it, to want more, and the 
unfortunate thing is that with the pleasant feeling tone, as long as it continues, it's pleasant. But when it goes, actually just it going can become unpleasant. So that's also interesting in terms of change. With the unpleasant, then our immediate tendency is to push away. And the problem with that tendency is that generally it will make us amplify what the Buddha called the second arrow. So instead of creatively engaging with the unpleasant right now, we kind of, it's always like this, it will never change, and etc., etc. And then that makes it a little more difficult. And then we, yes, with, with the uh, neither is, yes, we can either ignore or we can be indifferent. And I think that's why the Buddha makes a big difference between neither as in I don't care because it doesn't bother me and nothing is going on to the neither, which is, you know, I care, I have compassion, but my compassion is stabilized by having this ground, this stability. So personally, I would also uh, kind of, a, what is called a, a kind of a, a clear and elevated an insightful neither would have within it then wisdom and compassion when the ordinary one would not. And so you would have ignorance, ignore or indifference, which I think is kind of what is uh, problematic there also. So what is the relationship uh, between the feeling tone and the feeling? I think it's just kind of like a kind of uh, going on. Like feeling tone is really the immediate contact. And then generally it's very conditioned a lot of the time, uh, also associated with perception. And then perception, like the, the four go together, contact, tonality, perception, intention, attention. That then uh, if we experience, let's say an unpleasant feeling tone, then generally we want the meaning of it. So perception is really big with the unpleasant. You know, we often don't question pleasant feeling tone. Oh, it's pleasant. We generally, great. But unpleasant, meaning of it, we associate it with previous unpleasant because it feels a little similar because it's unpleasant, even if it's not the same thing. And then generally, this will lead to a, a more complex emotion and then it can lead to a disturbing emotion. But at the same time, we have to see that tonality is a function. It's, an, it's a survival mechanism. It's a very important function of the body to see you know, what is safe, what is not safe, uh, what should I eat, what I should not eat. So we should, in the same way, emotion are function to be angry, to be sad, to be happy, to be joyful, to love. These all are creative function. And then the question is, how do they become habituated? Or how do they become sticky? Or how they can become disturbing emotion? I think there is a difference between an emotion and a disturbing emotion. So yeah, of course, feeling, tonality is very connected with emotion, but I would say contact also and perception also and intention and attention. I think the, 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 the five Nama factors are very and the body and the environment, it's all connected together. Uh, Claudio, when should we intervene to change negative tonality? How do we transform negative tonality? 
I think this is what I would, to me, what I was talking about tomorrow, yesterday in terms of uh, the Vipassana and the Samatha and developing creative awareness. I think the two aspects of creative awareness, creative mindfulness, is acceptance and transformation. And so in terms of negative tonality, unpleasant tonality, at times it's like we have to accept them. By accepting them, I mean seeing them really clearly. Oh, this is what's going on. This is unpleasant right now. So really to know it, to know it. And then the question is, can I do something about it or not? So if it's light, a lot of the time we can just wait for it to pass. I mean, one of my examples is uh, being in traffic with Stephen and a little kind of, you know, you know how you are a couple in traffic in a car and it gets a little kind of stressful. And then Stephen said, uh, says a little something which was a little unpleasant and cutting. And then I thought I could reply back. And I thought, no, let's see how long the unpleasant tonality lasts. You know, okay, he said something, I heard a word, unpleasant. How long is it going to last if I don't do anything? And actually it lasted between two traffic lights and it was gone. Because I did not grasp at it, this is me, poor me, and you should not, and I can say something even more cutting. I just, okay, let's observe that feeling that tonality, and it was gone. So often when it's light, we can just wait for it to pass on its own, actually, if we don't do anything with it in terms of this is me, this is mine, and then we kind of amplify. If it's habitual, so that you don't experience it all the time, but the unpleasant tonality seems to come again and again, and you think, wait a minute. I have experienced this before. And then it becomes very interesting to look at the condition. What is a trigger? What is a contributing factor? What are the conditions? For example, if we have not slept well, or if we are stressed, or if we are too busy. And then possibly we can do something about sleepiness if we can, about being less stressed, about doing a little less. So in a way, it's kind of looking... I don't feel this all the time. What are the conditions in which this seems to happen? And so that's kind of interesting to look at. Because in certain conditions, you experience it. Some condition you don't. And then you think, wait a minute. What was the one thing which was an added factor? Or certain condition, you're always triggered. You think, wait a minute. Hmm, what's going on here? I mean, I used to have a... Stephen and a friend, and at the beginning, uh, I used to meet this friend once a year, and once a year, we used to get into an argument, a Dharma argument, first time, second time. Third time, I thought, what's the point of getting into an argument every time with this person? So I thought, what happens? What is it that triggers me, or what is it I say that triggers it? And so the third time, I just listened. And then I thought, ah, that's when he said this. And then I'm tempted to say that. And then I did not say that. And we could have a much better conversation. So, you know, it's kind of like when it repeats itself, it's interesting what goes on to really look at the whole thing. Then if it's intense, 
It's because something really heavy duty happened, like a shock to the system. And then we have to kind of accept this is happening. The unpleasant tonality is not going to go away fast. It's going to be there. And it might take a few days as if uh, when somebody dies or if you lose your job or whatever it might be, or being in the coronavirus situation, then really kind of, you know, it's more intense. So while we accept that's what's going on, then we try not to amplify it. And then what can help us is to go back a little bit to the breath, to the sound, not to stop the tonality, but to create a little space within it. So we come back to the breath a little, ah, then the theme comes back again. We come back to the breath a little bit, ah. So in a way, just, we're not trying to erase it. We're just trying to bring some space within it. Can you affect the tonality, for example, the sense of boredom that sometimes emerge during a meditation session? I would say, yeah, kind of like in terms of um, our perception, really kind of our perception. You're sitting in meditation, nothing is happening. What is interesting with sitting meditation is that some of the time we sit there and we wait for something special to happen. So then, you know, nothing is happening. And then it gets a little kind of tricky. So personally, I would say, just accept, oh, right now, it's neither. So the way, that's why I see the point of the neither is to, ah, neither. And nothing bad is happening. Change of perception. Oh, it's neither. How long is this going to last in this way? So just, I think, working with perception and also working to be really mindful of it in all its aspects. How does it feel, this? What I call boredom. This is interesting. I experience something. What do I call it? And then the calling it something generally could generate more tonality than actually being with the thing itself. So that's kind of an an interesting one. Once I was, because we have this idea that, of course, awareness can have a pleasant tonality, but not necessarily. Uh, I remember once I was uh, taking some Korean monks traveling around France, and I was sitting in the train, and I was so aware. And it was not specially pleasant, but not unpleasant. It was just neither. And I thought, "Hmm, that's it. So in a way, kind of like playing a a little bit with it, I would say. Uh, I found that focusing attention on listening to sound, less of my attention on on listening to my thought. And I found that this made the mind quite calm and still. I personally found the same way. And I really love listening meditation. And I often use it. And even with other things, with the breath, with the question, because I think, but especially if they are sound, but also listening to the silence. I also love to do that because it kind of like, I feel the meditation as kind of less of a, I must be aware of this or aware of that, but just kind of like, just being aware of sound, being present to the sound. I think it brings a quality that then kind of the thought kind of seems to be kind of less, powerful in some way to that paying attention to the sound. I personally found it a wonderful meditation. 
as someone with OA, someone with OCD, I'm slightly frightened of my thought. Do you have any suggestion? Well, the thing would be to, to kind of like, the problem here is that if you focus on your thought, often you can be taken over by the thought. And so, of course, one has to be careful in that way. And then it's kind of nice, as the fellow said, in, uh, I forgot the name of that book. Uh, ah, it's gone out of my mind, in terms of working with OCD. And really what he was recommending is to kind of, you know, divert to something more practical, more kind of, uh, kind of you could touch with your body. Also, what, when, I would say when you have the OCD, intense, I would not really, it's so there. I would nearly say don't go there. But when it's really light, to see, oh, it's just light and it passes. Or to see when they are thought, which actually are totally fine. That kind of thought of compassion, uh, thought inside, inside. So to see that all thoughts are not the same. And some might have a kind of a slightly different buzz. And some might have a more calming effect. So it's kind of in a way, again, uh, are all my thoughts, are they a little kind of that buzz, that sticky kind of buzz, which is a little painful? Or are there some thoughts which are kind of more calming in a way? Or is it better for me not to go there? That's really each person has to see for themselves, really. How do we work with things that give us both pleasant and unpleasant tonality? For instance, I notice a sticky energy of my inner narrator sounding smart is very alluring, but my realization of the time I'm losing is negative. Also, the noise of the rubbish truck is unpleasant, but I enjoy the sound because it represents cleaning. Exactly. Perception. You see, this is what I'm uh, also we kind of trying to point out. Things are complex that, you know, sometimes, you know, I used to write books and then I used to sit in meditation and have wonderful idea for my books and titles and chapters and things like that until I realized I never used them. They were just occupying. <laughs> so when I was doing it, it was fun until I thought, I mean, do I really need to do that? So in a way, it's kind of like kind of how much do I do this, enjoy it, and how much kind of, not to judge it, but to kind of, hmm, possibly not much point. But true about the rubbish truck, yeah. The sound itself could be felt because of the vibration or the sensitivity as unpleasant. But then as soon as you look at the perception, oh, they're cleaning, they're doing such a good job, then it shifts. So, you know, we, we can play with it, really play with it. I find it very difficult to discern the Vedana, particularly with thought. Pleasant and unpleasant really only show itself by the response of the nervous system and the correspondent sensation in the body. Anything to make it clearer. No, thought is tricky. Thought is tricky. I mean, something, some are really definite, like, you know, what I would call daydreaming. I used to do lots of daydreaming when sitting and I could feel them. If I was, if I had, and you could feel the stickiness of it, the pleasant stickiness of it. 
So that something like that can become quite clear. Or if you are ruminating, then it's kind of like something from the past, which was hurtful, which you bring now, which is hurtful, and then you generally kind of plot revenge in the future. So kind of, ah. So you're sitting here perfectly fine, and suddenly, puff, an unpleasant memory comes up. And then, ah. And then, then it can be interesting. Or fear, you know, when you kind of like start to think of somebody's kind of, you know, I mean, once there was this lady who spent three hours meditating, thinking her cat was dying, when the cat was not dying whatsoever. Uh, but just the fear, you know, how does it feel, the fear? There is kind of a strange unpleasantness and alluring to it. It's kind of weird. So those you can, I think, this kind, you can be, it can be more clear. But Jetsam and, again, light thought, I mean, it's just kind of neither. But of course, what is important to see that thought generally, I've like kind of, we kind of, sometimes it feel like the feeling sensation provokes the thought and sometimes the thought provokes the feeling sensation. So it's kind of, it's kind of comes together. So sometimes, yeah, we can be more aware of the impact of the thought by you know, being aware of our heart or being aware of our body. I'd like to understand more about what you said about the neutral tone. What you described was not having anything to do, which is actually a pleasant tone. I think neutral tone usually turns to unpleasant tone. So can you really enjoy neutral tone? Well, again, that I think is really back to perception. And I think it depends also on our system. I think uh, we have a different kind of level of energy and system. So for some people, uh, they can, neutral feeling tone can really quickly uh, feel really unpleasant because they already don't have much energy and then it's going even lower and that's kind of really uh, unpleasant. For other people who are kind of, you know, excitable, then agitated or then to nothing happening, ah, could be dreadful. Or, but if you're associating for your, with the way you feel about yourself as being this really lively person, and suddenly you don't feel anything lively, then it could be unpleasant because I am a lively person. I'm not feeling lively. What's wrong with me? So again, what is interesting with neutral is that I would say in our society nowadays, uh, a lot of the time it's associated with boredom. And, and boredom, I think, personally, I think it has to do with uh, the romantics that Stephen loves so much, that, you know, kind of this idea of boredom, that in a way we need to feel intensely. And we cannot feel intensely all the time. And so personally, I think part of our experience is what will you call in the kind of more like the neutral tonality, you know, kind of mildly, not much going on, especially in meditation, I think, sometimes. And so the question is, how does it make us feel in the body, one could nearly say? Does it make us feel restful or does it seem to make us feel weighted? Or kind of how do we interpret it? Uh, Something should be happening or this is so restful. So again, kind of, Perception really comes in here. And also what are the other things happening in our life? I mean, 
I presume during the coronavirus, people had very different experience. If people were really alone on their own, they said how difficult it was over time. And then for some people, they just so enjoyed it to have nothing to do and no contact. So it's kind of like, again, how, what do we need, not just inside ourselves, but also outside ourselves? Can you really enjoy a neutral feeling tone? Then it has shifted. Uh, but again, this is a kind of a little more technical thing about tonality as mundane tonality, leading to underlying tendency and as more kind of wise tonality, which then there is insight into it. And then actually the experience is different. So that's something I did not go into because it's part of the 108 tonality. Uh, that meditation made me realize how complex my sense of tone is, the tonality of hearing certain sound can be pleasant or pleasant or neutral, but it changes over time quite rapidly. Then thought affect tone and an ache in the body can affect it, the sun comes out and warms or a cloud makes it cooler and the pleasant and the unpleasant tone that can change so much affect the overall tonality of each moment. Exactly. This is the idea of this meditation. Thank you. I really like the experimental approach to guided meditation. Encourage us to explore our experience and watch it rise and fall. I think this is experiential learning, very helpful in enabling us, me to feel what is being discussed and taught, making it real. Yeah, my, my intention is not for you to kind of like, I don't want to be prescriptive. You're going to feel this feeling tone now and everybody is going to be, feel the same feeling tone. No, each of us is a little the same and little different. So in a way, it's kind of really something each of us can explore in different way, indeed. And this is our own experiential learning, what we call experiential wisdom. I noticed that as I focused on the tonality, the negative tone had an almost addictive quality and they took over. I saw that sometimes I can't accept the pleasant because the negative tone are being watched for to keep myself safe and comfortable. This is what I, I, I call a little bit the fear of the fear before it happens. That sometimes uh, if we kind of afraid of something, we actually, by being afraid of it, we introduce it before it might happen. So that is kind of like working with that, just what you did, which was to notice, oh, this is what I seem to do. I kind of like nearly prepare myself to have an unpleasant feeling toward. And then that kind of makes me more focused on it. And then I can less focus on the pleasant feeling toward. And this is also, they say, we have a little, I mean, our system is more quickly aware of unpleasant than pleasant. And I would say that the meditation I'm going to bring in on Friday morning, Mudita, appreciative joy, kind of helps us to rebalance so that we are as aware of pleasant as unpleasant. I definitely notice unpleasant feeling tone of thought connected with tension in the body. Yeah, again, kind of just see for yourself, how is it 
I work alone in an office study at home, and I'm currently very bothered by ambient sound, especially traffic and road work. Do you have some suggestions for how to apply this listening meditation to everyday life, to working life? I would say earplugs. I know. <laughs> but you see, I think there is a difference between just sitting here and me sitting here, opening the window, and then you have the sound of the bird, the sound of the traffic, and it's all part of the music of life. And when I work at my computer, generally I close the door because then I have to kind of really direct myself. So I think personally, I would not wear earplugs because of my trouble with my ears, but I close the window, which is double glazing. So I think it's really what is going to help me. It's really what is going to help me to be calm and to be creative. And then of course we could just be, any sounds is okay. I mean, I had a friend. He's amazing. You know, we would be chatting next to him when we were in the monastery and he would just do his PhD thesis on his kind of the typewriter and he was not bothered by us. And I was always amazed by that. So some people can really, sounds around them, doesn't do anything. Some people are more sensitive. And then it's how long, you know, you can be, with something which is a little stressful. So I would say at time, yes, you can see it as a music of life. At other time, you shut the window. And at other time, who knows? You can uh, wear, Stephen has these kind of things where you can't hear any sound whatsoever. So maybe one of those things. Um, in psychology, neither can be a reaction to irrelevant beneficial, pleasant, harmful, unpleasant, opportunity, pleasant, threat, unpleasant, gain, pleasant, loss, unpleasant, irrelevant, neither often not noticed, uh, like the electric heater in the room on a warm day. Possible, I mean, as a signal, as a signal for the kind of the organism, it could be that most of the time we're not aware of neither because we don't need to spend kind of, you know, electric uh, power of the brain for that. And in terms of the meditation, it can be interesting in terms of what is my relationship to it. So, yeah, no, that's an interesting point. Uh, tonality will be influenced by past experience, of course. Very, very important. Big conditionality influenced by culture, by so many different things, but of course, by past experience. Is there a difference between meditating with sound and see it simply as sound and meditating with sound and noticing tonality? I find the later easier and more interesting. Yes, a little bit. Uh, you can just listen to the sound and then you can add something to the experience by being aware of the tonality. Personally, I think it kind of had a depth to the experience, I find. But I also love just to listen to sound and not do anything with tonality. So again, it's what works. Venanciano, uh, Venancio. I sometimes suffer from depression. It colors everything with a gray and somber tone. I found that observing it impersonally at, as a strange phenomenon helped change the tone. Exactly, exactly. It's what <clears throat> we talk about 
not amplifying, not adding the second arrow, but just saying, oh, right now I feel this. And this is a little strange. And I feel it time to time. And that, I think, really helps. Of course, of course. When I focus on tonality of sound, it can have a tone of unpleasant as a little overwhelming. What should I do? Unpleasant has so many conflicting tones. I think the thing with the sound, not everybody is um, sensitive to sound in the same way. And so sometimes some people, if they're very sensitive to sound, then possibly don't do the tonality with sound because immediately what you'll have is a little kind of stressful unless it's very silent and unless it's really pleasant sound and you're okay with pleasant sound and they don't kind of bring sensitivity. I think we have to be careful there in terms of we're not equal in terms of sensitivity to sound. And I'm sorry, I have to go. And thank you very much. Thank you for your practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.